Conservation Conversations with your host, Nikita Goel. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the second episode of my podcast. Um, I hope you all enjoyed and learned something in the first podcast uh, episode about cheetahs. Uh, I really love talking about, about them. So this episode is actually all about polar bears and how the melting of the sea ice in the Arctic is further endangering polar bears. But before we begin, I would like to introduce two very special guests, um, my best friends, Lauren and Katie. If you guys want to introduce yourselves, go ahead. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie. I wanted to be on this episode today because polar bears have an important role in the ecosystem and climate change is threatening them. Hi besties, I'm Lauren and I'm interested in polar bears because my mom is a vet and I've always loved snow and the Arctic and I think it's important to be educated about endangered animals and conservation efforts. Thank you, Lauren and Katie. So these are two of my best friends. So they actually inspired me to do, um, to do this episode about polar bears. So thank you to them. So as always, I would really love your feedback on the podcast with guests or just by myself. Um, like, would you be interested in listening to me interview experts about certain animals or just having fun with friends on? Uh, now, before we learn anything about polar bears, let's start with a story called The Woman and Her Bear, which is an Inuit legend. And Katie is going to read it. So go ahead. Long ago in the far north, there lived a village of people known as the Inuit. They lived on the shores of the icy Arctic in the depended on the bounty of the salmon and seal and the creatures of the snow to feed themselves. All the young men of the village were hunters and fishermen. One old woman lived alone. She had no husband and no sons to hunt or fish for her. And though her neighbors shared their food with her, as was their custom, she was lonely. She longed for a family of her own. She often walked along the shore, looking far out to sea, praying that the God might send her a son. Winter day, the woman was walking by the sea when she spotted a tiny white polar bear sitting all alone on the thick ice. At once, she felt a kinship toward, toward him, for he looked as lonely as she. His mother was nowhere in sight. Someone must have killed her, she said softly, and she walked onto the ice, picked up the cub, and looked into his eyes. You will be my son, she said. She called him Kunik. The old woman took her cub back to her home. From that day on, she shared all of her food with Kunik, and a strong bond grew between the two. The village children loved Kunik too. Now the woman was never lonely, for her son, the bear, and all the village children kept her company all day. She would stand by her igloo and smile as Kunik and the children rolled in the snow and slid on the ice. Kunik was gentle and with the children as if they were his brothers and sisters. Kunik grew, sm grew taller and smarter. The children taught him to fish. By, the, by springtime, he was fishing on his own. And every afternoon, he came home carrying fresh salmon for his mother. The old woman was now the happiest of all the villagers. She had plenty of food and a son she loved with all her heart. Proud of her little bear that whenever he returned home, she would proudly say to anyone nearby, he's the finest fisherman in all the village. Before long, the men began to whisper among themselves. They knew the bear was the most skillful fisherman of the village. They began to feel envious. What will they do, they asked each other. 
that bear brings home the fattest seals and the biggest salmon. He must be, he must be stopped. One of the men said, he puts us to shame. They all turned and looked at him. They nodded slowly for although they were envious, they knew how much the old woman loved the bear. We'll have to kill him. He has grown far too big, one man said. One by one, the others agreed for their envy made them stupid and mean. Yes, the other said, he is a danger to our families. A little boy overheard the men talking. He ran to the old woman's house to tell her of the terrible plan. When the old woman heard the news, she threw her arms around her bear and wept. No, she said, they must not kill my child. At once she set O to visit every house in the village. She begged each man not to kill her beautiful bear. Kill me instead, she wept. He is my child, I love him dearly. He is fat, some of the village men said. He will make the greatest, great, he will make a great feast for the whole village. He is a danger to our children, the other said. We cannot let him live. The old woman saw that the man was determined to kill her son. She rushed home and sat down beside him. Your life is in danger, Kunik. You must run away. Run away and do not return, my child. She wept as she spoke and held him close. Run away, but do not go so far that I cannot find you, she whispered. And though her heart was breaking, she sent Kunik away. He had tears in his eyes, but he obeyed his mother's wishes. For many days, the old woman and the children grieved their loss. And one day, the old woman rose at dawn and was determined to find Kunik. She walked and walked, calling out his name. After many hours, just as the old woman feared she would never find him, she saw her bear running toward her. He was fat and strong, and his coat was shimmering white. They embraced, and the old woman whispered, I love you. But, but Kunik could see that his mother was hungry, and so he ran to get her fresh meat and fish. With tears in her eyes, the old woman cut up the seal and gave her son the choicest slices of blubber. Promising to return the next day, she set off for home, carrying her meat, her heart, filled with joy. The next day, as she, prom as she had promised, she went to visit her son. And every day after that, the old woman and her son met, and the bear brought his mother fresh meat and fish. After a while, the villagers grew to understand the love between the woman and the bear was strong and true. And from that point on, they told with pride and respect the tale of the unbroken love between the old woman and her son. Good job, Katie. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that story. Thank you for reading it, Katie. That story is actually, like I said, an Inuit legend. And it was created by Native Americans, so there's no, <clears throat> sorry. There's no direct author, but I will link it in the description. The website is called firstpeople.us, and there are tons of different Native American myths and stories. So if you would like to read some more, uh, go ahead and check out that website. Speaking of polar bears hunting for their food, they normally spend about 50% of their time hunting. So Lauren and Katie, they, you, polar bears um, usually hunt about like out of 10 seals. How many seals do you think they normally catch? You guys can work together. You gotta okay, make a well, deal. Okay, no, 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 no. Let's logic this, okay? So we've got ten. we've got our ten seals, okay? The population, oh. huh? Twelve. Did you 34. say twelve or blub? Because neither one of those is a good answer, Katie. 
36. Okay, I'm going to go with four because I feel like polar bears are kind of a big predator. Okay, and we'll make that Katie's answer as well. Okay, Katie, um, what's your answer? Eight. Eight, okay. So actually, they usually only catch one or two of the seals that they hunt patiently for, uh, waiting for the seals to service for air. So normally seals will poke holes in the sea ice and come up to the surface every about 50, uh, five to 50 minutes, but it takes a while. So about six meters or 20 feet from the seal, the bear speeds up to pounce and hopefully kill the seal before it can escape back through the hole. Uh, since they are at the top of the food chain in the Arctic, they have no predators except for other bears or humans now. Uh, so since seals are their main prey and the holes in the sea ice are the best way that polar bears can catch them, um, in open water, it's almost impossible to catch seals and they only catch about one or two um, even in those holes. They will travel hundreds of miles to stay with the floating ice. And that is a big reason why climate change and the melting of this ice is so dangerous for polar bears. The flowing of sea ice also means that polar bears don't really have territories like other animals, such as like lions and other more land animals. Uh, some polar bears who live in seasonal ice areas, which means that the amount of ice changes drastically from summer to winter, are the most at risk because for those few months of almost no ice, it makes it really difficult, if not impossible, to hunt for food. So another question for you guys. Uh, polar bears live, obviously, in really cold places. Do you know some of the places that polar bears live? Give me like two if you can get them. The Arctic, yes. Canada. Yes. Do you have any more? Um, Siberia. Um, I don't just think like Russia adjacent. <laughs> yes, the Russia is one. Okay. Um, <laughs> the other, the other two are also Greenland and uh, Norway. Hmm. So, polar bears will normally mate in spring around April to June, and then the mothers will give birth in December. Uh, honestly, normally to twins, which is kind of surprising. Uh, one really interesting thing that polar bears do is they actually delay implantation, which means that they don't actually become fully pregnant until autumn. So the egg will kind of just sit there unfertilized until autumn to make sure that the mom has enough fat to sustain herself and cubs during denning season. So denning season is the late fall and winter in which mothers um, make a maternity den to have their kids and nurse them until about March or early April. During this time, the mother does not eat or drink anything, which is, so the time period is about four to eight months, which is a really long time. Um, and that's why they need to make sure they have enough fat so that that's why they have delayed implantation. So they do that to make sure they can take care of their cubs. Little polar bear cubs are born blind, toothless, and with short fur. Basically, <laughs> honestly useless compared to, and they're really similar to human babies. And they have to stay with their mom for about 2.5 to three years until they finally, unlike the babies, um, adult polar bears have very dense fur with an under fur, which is heat insulating along with guard hairs over top because of the really, really cold uh, temperatures the Arctic. Uh, the fur is so warm and prevents heat loss so well that sometimes when polar bears run on ice, they actually overheat. <laughs> Um, so another question for you guys, uh, contrary to popular belief, what color actually is their fur? Yellow. Is it yellow? 
Or no, 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 no. Is it gray? Is it like horses? I was going to say gray. Actually, it's transparent. It has like a hollow core, which reflects visible light. So it appears white because of like the snow, the light reflecting off of the snow. So that's a good guess. So if there was no light, what would they look like? They would, I don't even know. They would just have transparent fur. It's, I mean, light is definitely like based on our eyes. We see visible light. So I'm going to, I don't really know what they love this. (laughs) I'm not sure. Um, so, so I have a question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know that baby polar bears stay with their mama polar bears for like three years. But what's the general lifespan of a polar bear? So the lifespan of actual polar bears is about twenty-five years, which is pretty long. Um, but obviously, with climate change, that might change because they are not getting enough food. <laughs> um, another question is, you know how snakes kind of shed their skin do you think polar bears also do that like molt yeah um I mean purely because you asked the question yes <laughs> Katie yeah I would agree. I, I would agree with that I would say because you're asking the question it makes me think that yes they do but yeah I I mean I would guess that they shed because just like many animals shed I would think that um, polar bears also shed but I would not think they shed in the way this snake sheds do you think do you know do you have a reason why they would shed I mean it's kind of it, it, it's a hard question okay okay I mean there I guess there is some I guess there is some fluctuation in the um different like habitats they live in so I would say it would it could be to provide a different levels of like fluctuation of temperatures like to either thicker that's, or thinner furs yeah that, that's a coats. good guess that's like why rabbits will, will shed they'll have like a brown coat in the summer and then a white coat in the winter to like keep insulation that's a good that's a good um guess what about you Lauren I was gonna say a similar thing because when they're like in the winter and when the mamas are pregnant and all that they need to be very insulated um so they might have a warmer coat in the winter and then a cooler or like a lighter coat in the spring when they're yeah getting pregnant and all that honestly I probably I think I also thought that but it's actually because of the seals they eat because the seals they eat have a lot of oil and that oil will build up in their fur and they'll actually molt or shed their fur in spring to late summer so that's really cool but it might also have sorry that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, yeah, but that's quite interesting. I also thought it was probably from temperature. So the last question for you guys um, is, you, we talked about their fur, but we didn't talk about their skin yet. What color do you think is their skin? Oh, oh, I know this. Isn't it black? Katie? You know what? I feel like I have also heard that. Yes. So... Polar bear skin yeah. is black. Good job, Lauren. And I will assume Katie also knew that and didn't copy Lauren's answer. Um, so do it on my own. Thank you. I'm very much. proud of you. <laughs> so um, they actually do not have white skin, which I feel like might be people might think that just because polar bears are white. Um, but it's actually black, and along with a layer of fat, which is around eleven point four centimeters or four point five inches. So it's actually really thick in case they can't find food. 
Um, it's also really beneficial for insulation and swimming. Uh, so obviously you need to keep warm in the really cold Arctic temperatures. Another characteristic that helps conserve heat is having really small round ears, which is a little weird and also small tails. Um, this makes it so that the heat can stay in the center of their body without having to travel to far appendages like a long tail or really long ears. Uh, so the heat can stay in the core of their body. They also have huge paws and claws, which are crucial for living in the Arctic. Their paws are about 30 centimeters or 11.8 inches. And uh, they help them walk on the thin ice and also are very good for water. Uh, their paws kind of act like paddles in the water and their hind legs are for the steering. Their legs also have black foot pads like many of our house pets. Uh, but these pads have small little bumps called papillae, which help them grip onto the ice, which allow them to walk on it. Uh, they're about five centimeters or 1.97 inch curved and thick claws, also help them grip on the ice and catch hold of prey. Uh, I found most of this information on a website called Polar Bears International, which is a really informative site, which you guys should definitely check out if you're more interested in polar bears. Uh, while I was research researching polar bears, I learned so many things about them and how they are unique and important, and I hope you guys did as well. Um, before we talk about the threats they face and how we can help them, I thought it'd be fun if we read some myths or frequently asked questions or fun facts about polar bears, and I'm going to have these two try and answer them. Um, okay, so the first question that I want you guys to answer is do you think that orcas prey on polar bears? Anyone no. Can go first? no, no, because you said that polar bears' main what are those predators are each other and humans. Look at me paying attention. <laughs> Unless that's a competition. Huh? Okay. Interest specific competition. <gasps> oh, look at you. What an apes genius. <laughs> okay. So you are right. Um, good job for listening. Uh, so no, even though an orca may be able to prey on a stray polar bear uh, who is stranded on like a piece of ice or something, it is very rare. Um, and yes, because polar bears have all of the features that we explained before, um, they most likely would put up a good fight and it's just really rare for orcas to prey on them. Um, so do polar bears live in both the North and South Poles, like the Arctic and Antarctic? Let's let Katie answer this one because Lauren answered the last one. I feel like yes, but I also feel like because you're asking me this question, I feel like the answer is no. I feel I like mean, it's a trick question. Go with your gut. Don't don't go with because I'm asking the question or not. Just go with what whatever you think. What was the original question? So like where do polar bears live? The north or the south or both? You both can also confer. It's not a competition. Although it feels like First of all, I love you applying your stats you knowledge and not asking leading questions. What did you say? I feel like I'm going to say the North. Okay. okay. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. I don't think they're in the South Pole. Um, and you would be right. They only live in the Northern Hemisphere in the Arctic, not in the Antarctic. So all the things you see about polar bears and penguins living together is a very unrealistic image because penguins don't live in the north and polar bears don't live in the south. So <clears throat> um, 
another thing is actually Arctic means bear and Antarctic means without bear. So, I mean, if you just know the root of the words, none of the bears live in the Antarctic. So our last question is kind of a hard one. Um, it is directed at Katie because unfortunately Lauren already knows the answer, but it is, what is the only part of the polar bear that is dangerous for people to eat? So obviously not like the claws or something, but just if you were going to eat a polar bear, uh, what would be dangerous? Like a hint is kind of the lower abdomen. Think something internally like lower down. Um, the kidney, would it be the kidney? That's a good guess, but it would actually be the liver. So the liver in a polar bear is actually so high That's in vitamin what I was D. Trying to I, I actually that. Yeah, so the liver in the polar bear is actually so high in vitamin D that if a human ate it, they would die. It's really interesting. So those are our kind of myths or frequently asked questions. So now Lauren is going to read some fun facts about polar bears before we transition into something else that I think you guys will really enjoy. All right, besties, this is a really special podcast segment called Fun Facts with Lauren. Number one, polar bears can run as fast as 40 kilometers per hour, which is, you know, about 25 kilometers or blah, 25 miles per hour. Um, they also have 42 sharp teeth. Uh, they have some jagged back teeth and large canines, which are actually bigger than a grizzly bear. Um they their paws are pretty big they're about a foot wide which is also about 30 centimeters which is roughly the size of a dinner plate and it allows them to walk on snow and the ice to get their little seals because they can spread their paws out they also have three eyelids which helps their eyes to be protected from you know the elements in the arctic and all that jazz finally Polar bears have black skin, transparent fur, and a blue tongue. Thank you. That's fun facts with Lauren. Back to you, host Nikita. <laughs> Thank you so much for those fun facts. We did mention a couple of those uh, throughout the uh, research, but I think that those are just really interesting things that you would never think about. I still, I know Katie also can't get over the transparent fur. <laughs> So uh, before we talk about the threats that polar bears face and how we can help them, I wanted to do one more really fun thing before we get into the serious stuff, which is playing a game of sorts. So this will kind of help us get, get a perspective on how each one of us individually contributes to climate change and global warming. So earlier this year, uh, I found this website that actually calculates your personal or your family's carbon footprint. And I think it's really interesting to learn about because we often don't think about our individual effects on how bad kind of climate change is getting. So I'm actually going to play this game and find out my individual carbon footprint at this time. Okay, so I'm on nature.org and this is basically a quick carbon footprint estimate. So you just type in a bunch of different things. Your, how many people live in your household? How much you drive? What you eat? Uh, how much you shop, like well, all those type of things. And then you get a estimate of how much you contribute to the uh, carbon. So first I have to enter my location and I will just say I live in Ohio. <clears throat> uh, there are right now three people in my household. So the next thing is vehicles. 
Uh, I only have one vehicle and I drive a good amount. I'm not actually sure how many gallons per or miles per year, but well, would it be a lot. Would it be specifically your vehicle or everyone in your household? Probably just yours, right? I'm, I'm just going to do my vehicle. I did put there's three full people in my house, but I'm just going to do it for me because um, <laughs> I don't know about my the rest of my family. Okay. So I'm going to do, what's an average amount of miles per year that's driven? Uh, uh, like 10,000. I don't know. I drove about a thousand last year because I didn't leave my house um but I would say about 10,000 probably so I'm gonna say I drive about 17,000 miles per year because I drive a lot but the average is about 13,000 uh so then air travel and public transport I don't really use public transport and with COVID I haven't really flown anywhere so I'm gonna say nothing for both so then there's other factors such as electricity, natural gas, heating, oil, square foot living space, and water usage, which uh, you can all input. It's kind of hard. It's, it's a bit harder to find. But if you just do like about the average of a normal person, that is uh, probably what we use. And it's already given to you in the website, the average. Uh, then there is food. Uh, so the first one is like meat, fish, and eggs. I'm going to say... Uh, a little below average. Pes- You're pescatarian. Yeah, I'm going to say below average because I am pescatarian and I don't like eggs. So I don't really eat eggs except if they're like in baked goods and I don't eat meat, obviously. So I have fish maybe like once a week um, and that's kind of all. Then grains and baked goods. Um, I'll say a little bit more than average, maybe. Dairy, I'll say less than average because I don't really drink milk or eat cheese that often. Fruits and vegetables, I'll say like maybe a bit more than average and then snacks you being healthy oh my god I'll say I will also say a bit more than average because I feel like as a young person I probably eat more snacks than the average person okay then shopping so because I still am a student I don't really shop honestly too much because I don't really need to buy too much um so there's goods and services. I'm going to say below average for both of them, uh, especially below average for services. Um, and then you get your carbon footprint. That's pretty much all there is. It's a really quick and easy uh, test. And my total footprint is 62 tons of carbon per year, which is apparently 25% better than the average. So not amazing but it is better. I can see here you get a little chart of uh, travel, home, food, goods, and services, and like the average is a line, and then you have your bar graph. So you can see your household versus similar households. So I think it's a really useful website where you can see how much carbon you actually use and see which things actually contribute to your carbon uh, footprint. And then there's actually another um, page which talks about how you can reduce your impact. So there's transportation, housing, and shopping, and it gives alternatives to what you already do. So I think this website, everyone should go check it out. It's actually a really fun uh, way to learn what your carbon footprint is. And it just takes, I don't even know, it took me like five minutes. So
So I think that, like I said, going on these websites and learning about how every action impacts the world around us is really interesting and also puts perspective on how important conservation is. So now let's talk about what we have been waiting for, which is why polar bears are endangered and how we can help them. So some of the threats that polar bears face are, as I've mentioned before, the loss of sea ice, which is a really big problem for them. Um, and that leads polar bears to not be able to find food, um, honestly, or catch it because they won't have those holes in the ice. And that has led to attacks in northern coastal communities. So sea ice is necessary for polar bears to hunt for seals and climate change is rapidly melting the ice. Without solid ice in the Arctic, polar bears are being forced to retreat towards coastal communities in search for food. Um, and this issue is common with many other animals as well because of the destruction of forests or other habitats. Um, since polar bears are found in coastal communities, this is an obvious risk to both people and animals, resulting in deaths and conflict between both of them. And this is extremely detrimental to uh, the polar bear populations and is obviously really tragic for these communities. This is why the sea ice being strong and there being a lot of it is so important for these bears. Uh, polar Bears International is trying to educate people who might be in contact with polar bear to use bear spray or other non-lethal deterrents to stop polar bears instead of killing them. Uh, so bear spray is actually really similar to pe pepper spray, uh, which is used as a self-defense uh, tactic and can be sprayed in an attacker's face or eyes. Uh, however, bear spray is much more regulated and the Environmental Protection Agency or EPA has approved all of the air uh, the bear spray that we can buy. Whereas pepper spray on the other hand is, can be weaker or stronger than bear spray and should never be used on animals because it can harm them. So make sure you have bear spray and not pepper spray. Uh, different communities have also learned to somewhat live alongside polar bears, which greatly re reduces human bear conflict. Another way that um, humans are helping polar bears are through zoos. So many zoos, depending on them, can help different animals, specifically polar bears, by educating people through websites, providing homes for orphaned cubs, um, allowing scientists to study captive polar bears who have been abandoned, helping to, to develop the next generation of conservation advocated through youth groups. So as I said before, human conflict is a really big problem uh, for polar bears, especially because there are only about 19 populations of polar bears left and around 23,000 in the wild. Uh, if you remember or watched, I guess, listen to the first episode of about cheetahs, there were about 31 populations of cheetahs left, but there were much fewer cheetahs in the wild, only about 7,100. This just means that interbreed, there's more interbreeding between polar bears in one area, and that creates a population with much less genetic diversity, which leads to a disease, if a disease came about, um, in a population of polar bears, it could kill all of them uh, because there is such little genetic diversity. I also want to emphasize that even though 23,000 polar bears may seem like a lot and also is a lot compared to the 7,000 cheetahs or the 2,000 polar bears in 2001, uh, which is before the banning of polar bear re recreational hunting, there also used to be about closer to 30,000 polar bears uh, not too long ago. And with the rapidly declining sea ice, we will continue to see these numbers drop to an alarming rate. So although it may seem like there are more polar bears than cheetahs or just other animals, that is still not a, a lot of them. And especially with um, lower genetic diversity, one deadly disease could take out a lot of them. 
So even though the declining numbers are really heartbreaking, there are many ways for us to help polar bears and other creatures suffering from climate change. So there are numerous organizations that help with polar bears and the preservation of the sea ice that they live on. One example of this is on the site Polar Bears International, which I mentioned earlier uh, that I will link below, which I really recommend you to check out. Uh, so on the site, there are many petitions that people in the US can sign to set a fair price on carbon. Um, and if you live on in other areas of the world, support carbon uh, pricing initiatives there. Since the output of carbon is the primary cause for global warming, putting a fair price on carbon will help reduce the amount of carbon that big companies use, which is the primary cause for carbon output and therefore global warming. On a smaller scale, uh, the carbon footprint of an individual can be calculated on different sites and we can all see how much we individually contribute to the global warming crisis. And hopefully for polar bears, other animals and our world in general, we can all come together to save our planet. Another really interesting and amazing initiative on this site is the Save Our Sea Ice campaign or SOS. This campaign celebrates action to slow climate change and tries to support foundations that include shifts in transportation, energy use and food production. And now Lauren's gonna say a little bit more about what you can do individually. Speaking of to support policies, laws, and petitions that encourage big corporations to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions and create a more sustainable society is one of the best things individuals can do. However, making small changes to your daily life, like turning the faucet off when you're not using it, not leaving the lights on all the time, walking or biking instead of driving, buying more sustainable products, and many more small things could have an impact if we all come together to save the only planet that we have. Finally, Katie is going to talk a little bit more about how like sea ice is declining before we wrap it up. As Nikita has mentioned earlier, climate change is the main factor for the declining number of polar bears because of the melting, the melting of sea ice, which is what polar bears use to hunt. As the sea ice continues to decline, the amount of time polar bears can hunt in order to store fat for when it becomes warmer will also decline. And because polar bears are unable to adapt to the rapidly changing ecosystem, System, they will most likely become extinct in the near future. Thank you, Katie and Lauren. So that is the end. <laughs> that is the end of the podcast for today. I really hope you enjoyed this episode about polar bears as well as my very special guests, Lauren and Katie. Thanks, uh, I wanted to bring them. <laughs> I wanted to bring them on to show you that even if you're not crazy about animals like me. Any of you could help these amazing creatures and make a difference, even if it is small. Educating yourself is honestly one of the best things you can do because through education, honestly, is how change is made. So like I said, it was actually their idea to do polar bears this episode, and it was really fun for me to research them. I hope you learned something from this episode uh, because these amazing creatures are slowly going to become more and more endangered because of the melting sea ice due to climate change. Uh, polar bears are extremely important in the Arctic ecosystem and without them, the system would be unbalanced. So I hope you spread awareness about these amazing animals and thank you so much for listening. Bye guys. Bye.